podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The tenth time they've made it! They've won a playoff campaign! And they've done it at Wembley! And for the first time in 74 years, Brentford will play in the top flight of English football! And he puts it in! Sergi Carrick has scored the first goal of the Premier League season! Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Ealing Road podcast. Uh, lots to talk about this week following our point at the Emirates on Saturday. On today's episode, we will look back at the game against Arsenal and look forward to Palace as well as our away day section. Uh, just a reminder that the podcast is now on YouTube under the name The Ealing Road Podcast. So please do subscribe to our YouTube channel, like and comment on our uploads, and hopefully you can enjoy listening to the podcast in the future, as well as having the pleasure of watching our ugly mugs talk about Brentford. <laughs> Uh, on with today's show then, joining me today is Clayton. Clayton, how are you, mate? Good, you're right. All good. Um, do you notice I took the intro out? <laughs> the the, yeah, the tagline out of the intro. Natural, isn't yeah, it? it really is. Nice, nice. Um, so the only place to start, obviously, is with Arsenal. Uh, before we start talking about the main talking point in the game, which was the equaliser that's commanded the majority of the media attention, uh, I think we should say uh, that even though that equaliser was offside, 100% we deserve something out of the game. Oh, yeah, we probably... We could have won it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they had chances, but in the first half, we, we could have gone 3 0 up. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony hit the crossbar, Rico missed like he yelled out, and there, there was another chance that slips my mind right now. Um, and obviously, the goal was pretty offside. But but also, um, Embraer went for on goal, and Saliba just fell mm-hmm. over. Yeah. Uh, was Saliba, I think it was Saliba, not Gabriel. Oh, it was Gabriel. One of the two. Yeah, yeah. Um, both dropped absolutely. Disaster class, as to me, so <laughs> getting a bit confused. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't think it was unjust. I, the goal was obviously, I, if that was against Brentford, I'd be fuming. Yeah. But it's not, so it's quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned it uh, briefly, the two chances in the first half, obviously one for one for Rico within the opening 10 minutes. What's your view on that? I, I kind of feel a little bit sorry for him because I feel like the height of the ball is a little bit too high for it to be considered a tap-in. But and he is a left back. I don't know. I don't know how you see it. Are you thinking he should score every day? Yeah, it's a weird one because he misses by like so much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Chance. Yeah. It, like, it goes so far wide. It's, just, it's quite high up, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So he has to like kind of hit on the body and his left foot. Just gets it all wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think Tony should have scored more than Rico. Should yeah. Have scored, that yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Hundred percent. Oh, it was the second chance for Tony by his standards, especially like yeah, this season. Goal, yeah, it's relatively easy. Target where someone's if, as long as he doesn't hit someone that's already on the line. Yeah. It's going to be a goal and he hits the crossbar. I know. He's already running away back to celebrate. I know, yeah. Oh, well. But um, Tony, Tony's performance in general was just, I think that was probably the best I've seen him play in a while. No. It dominated them. It was like, The complete opposite of the reverse fixture where I thought, I came away from it thinking, wow, Saliba is a player because he mm-hmm. pr- pretty much pocketed Tony yeah, the whole yeah, game. Yeah. Whereas in this game, Tony won all of his duels, was dominant in the air and well, just did, bullied them. Did you them. see the Saliba statistic? He, lost, he had 10 aerial duels. He lost every single one. <laughs> That's so funny. But yeah, no, yeah, he had a brilliant game. Um, we will talk about that VAR decision then just in its own right. In real time, how nervous are you when you're there? When that when the when the check starts and they t- they're taking more than sort of a minute for it to get settled. Are well, you? You just I was just saying, well, it's definitely offside. Like we'd, had, we'd had our limbs, <laughs> we had our fun, but you know, it's going to get ruled out. Let's tell the tale, but... Yeah, all of a sudden just... Because, yeah, every time you see a VAR check for that, especially when it's offside, it's always offside. Yeah. If they're checking it for that long, it's not going to be on. Mm-hmm. So I was saying to her, oh, no, there's no way. There's no way it's a goal. Mm, we've... Which, well, I mean, I was right. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, 
nerve-wracking, but a good, good, good result in the end. Yeah, we definitely, we definitely got away with one. I mean, e- even like sort of. So I was listening to the to the iPlayer commentary with Mark Burridge and Carly Osborne. Um, which was interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, on my way to Norwich, I was listening to that and they were kind of saying on commentary that they were looking, but obviously they've got the luxury of having replays wherever they're watching it from in the in the gantry. So they, they were just saying, I can't see why that's not a goal. And I was just in the car just thinking, of course not, just get on with the check. Let's, it's a goal. Let's just keep going. And then you get home, I've got home and watched match of the day. And it is it's blatant. Like I don't know the, the the sort of the discourse online is that he's spent that much time checking the pre like for a foul on Gabriel Pinnock. Pinnock looks like that he's blocking Gabriel's run to stop. He's offside. So yeah. he's offside when he blocks the run. Yeah. So they check that for like three minutes, and he's like, he's, I think he is offside, but they just determine he's not influencing it, play. Which I don't think he was, to be fair. Like he he is standing there, but I think Gabriel has enough to sort of get past him, if you know what I mean. Yeah. As our display goes. <laughs> Let's go. We're back up and running, but yeah, I think uh, Gabriel has enough to sort of get past him. But what, what do you reckon? Yeah, it's just it's just so poor, mm. but um, quite funny. Yeah, like, quite, like yesterday and Tuesday, like Arteta still crying about it. I know. Yeah, saying what, saying that he'll only be satisfied if they yeah, if or, they give us if they reward like, us the two I points. Some Arsenal fans on Twitter saying there should be like a rematch. Oh, uh, a rematch. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, we probably rattled them again. I know the whole fan base. It was brilliant. It was well, seeing. Yeah, thank, yeah, shout out to the Arsenal fans. Uh, racially abusing Tony. Nice one. Oh, we're going to talk about that. I thought. I thought we definitely should. But before before we get onto that, um, and Buemo's goal in the first half. You briefly mentioned it earlier. That a lot of the Arsenal fans saying, you know, if we, if we hadn't, if that goal was ruled out, then we would have won the game. But and Buemo's fa- supposed foul on Gabriel. I think it was that. I don't. I don't see anything wrong with that goal. You could. You could say that Ramsdale sort of knows that the flags, the knows that the whistle's gone, so he doesn't try. But even still, you know, strong goal, like it's it's exactly. Have a it is Brighton, but he has he's got a good chance of scoring that. I know. Um, yeah, Tony wins a flick on it, kind of side by side. Cabrera just he, he slips. Like, I don't think he's even asking for a foul. I think he generally slips and mm-hmm. the blows up. I know. Um, no, he gave, he gave a lot of fouls, kind of like that during the game, um, and then as soon as Norgard made one, kind of. Last less challenge, and Jack is like trying to throw him over the pitch. And <laughs> sacks me a headlock, like fuck off. Like, <laughs> can't look both ways. I know. Uh, Arsenal fans and Arteta are up in arms about the decision. Uh, like I said, he only said he'd be satisfied if they gave us a two points fact. But I think it's fair to say that if you wanted to win the game, you probably should have been better at football on the day as opposed to relying on decisions from officials to get the right decision. Nine times out of ten, Tony scores that chance in the first half. You could argue that Rico scores as well. And that's not to say that even if our goal was ruled out, we wouldn't have gone and got another equal we wouldn't have gone and got an actual equaliser. With the game with the way that the game was going, you, I think Carly Osborne for, for all some of the for, for the good things that he did say on commentary, Carly Osborne said immediately after they'd scored that Tony had the bit between his teeth. And I I saw it in the in the when I watched the game back, you could see that he's missed two chances and he's got he's out there with something to prove. And um you know, obviously this is just speculation, but if that goal was ruled out, I wouldn't have said that Brentford getting an equaliser was was unachievable. Mm-hmm. Um, the signs don't they don't point to Arsenal Arsenal let down by VAR officials. I don't think. I think you know we were better than them on the day. We had better xG, with better chances in the match, and we limited them to basically one click at opportunity, which they did finish, which is what the top sides do. Yeah. But you know, I, I think the outrage from Arsenal fans. Yeah, we literally switched off. We defended so well. We literally switched off for one cross and just got across like. Everyone from the left back to the right back, including the goalkeeper, just watched it and Trossard tapped it in. But 
We were just immense. Like we were so. It was one of the best performances I've seen from a Brentford team. Mm-hmm. Just to, the fact that we just keep putting performances out like that against big teams is just insane. Yeah. And then now we've also adding to the fact that we're, we're beating those teams like Southampton. We're just putting them away. Like it's just enjoy it while it lasts, guys. This, this is unbelievable. <laughs> like, it's so impressive. It's so impressive. Yeah. It, it's a. Uh... It's weird because we were talking about it on the last on the last podcast about how it's different now. We're going into these games and thinking we might actually nick it. Even even though we said that, both of us did say on the last podcast that we were going to lose. <laughs> but it'll be a good day out. Um, yeah, it was a good day out. But it was just it was an unbelievable performance. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about the 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 racist abuse that Tony yeah. received after the game. It's kind of a it's kind of a problem now, and you hear about another instance sort of every other week. It happened back in October when we played. I can't remember who it was, but we played someone in October, and I think uh, I think it was Everton. I think yeah at Everton last year it was Rika Henry and Ivan Tony. Their families. Yeah, which is just it's just crazy. It's so um, Troy Deeney got racially abused by Birmingham fans. Yeah. The team he plays for last mm-hmm. night. It's just disgusting. It's just disgusting. No. It's just the thing. The thing about uh, the Tony incident is it, the, the issue is is it, it's not people at the stadium. It's it's like. There was this one account tweeting all sorts of shite, and it was they're from Arizona. Mm-hmm. Was, yeah, like you, you didn't live within a thousand well, miles of the bloody exactly. stadium. Exactly. The thing is, these these accounts on Twitter and on these social media platforms, they can just go undetected by using an alias on Twitter. Yeah. And you know, there's there's been so much noise around sort of these pundits and people coming out saying, you know, the, these big social media platforms should they have a solution, which is to make people upload a picture of their passport when they when they get these accounts and me and my brother were talking about it the other day but they won't do it because no, they won't get they won't get the, up, the uptake just, someone will just bring out an alternative social media yeah exactly exactly well. and people don't want to give away their data nowadays it's quite, so it's a difficult um conundrum but they could definitely do more to kind of block and impose sanctions on, yeah, on the people so that do it that too, so. yeah and it's not just it's not just to say that it's just teams from the top six when they have all these loads of loads of fake accounts and loads of not fake accounts but loads of accounts that people just use they put in an email and then they're in they can tweet whatever they want yeah. because you know we, back in october i'm pretty sure a brentford fan was banned for some racist abuse so it's not it's not just a it's not just a problem with the no. with some teams it's a systemic problem in football and you know it's just disgusting that you have to you have to see it every single time you wonder why players like Ivan Tony don't take the knee anymore yeah it's because you did it in the game exactly whenever he puts it's like he gets he puts in a massive performance against the best team in the league and what does he get for it he gets a goal but it gets racist abuse afterwards yeah, it doesn't like, like I mean it's obviously a tiny minority but obviously Arsenal fans on Twitter saying oh well if VAR had done his job then then he wouldn't have got abused it's or... just like genuinely I know people don't like us swearing on this podcast but those people need to fuck off like, <laughs> like seriously oh, no. it's it's outrageous um, no, I, I, you can't be dealing with that every week like. yeah it's ridiculous is there anything else you wanted to talk about about the Arsenal game anything from the stands no it's a good game good good atmosphere actually yeah um, last last year it was about this time I think we played my march away it was a shocking atmosphere yeah I remember yeah um, yeah this time, everyone was in good form. Mm-hmm. A few uh, drinks flowing in the concourse. That was good. Enjoy yeah, it. nice. Um, yeah, it's weird sometimes. Sometimes you go to an away game and it's just flat and you don't really know why. I remember it happening with Tottenham away last season. Oh, that was awful. It was just terrible. Like No one no one was up for it's it. It's because they were kicking everyone out like their seats if you weren't in your actual seat. Yeah. Um, like their stewards were probably being proper jobs for us. <laughs> But no, Arsenal was good. Arsenal was good. Good, lovely stuff. Uh, we'll move on to some questions from the Griffin Park grapevine that we have received. Um, 
One of them, I think I can't. He had a name where it had loads of numbers in and, and letters in it. So I just, I just, <laughs> I just, I just, I don't even have his name here. Uh, but he's asking about uh, VAR controversy. If we wish we'd had VAR in the championship, or whether you think it's a good thing. I just think we should talk about VAR in general. Okay, what do you think? I think so. I think with the way it's being done this season, I actually thought it was it come on leap, leaps and bounds from the previous season with regards to how quick the decision making is and with with what it was being used for but then you know this week there's been three incidences of incidents of VAR fucking up yeah. essentially yeah. the the West Ham Suchek one which I still watch back and I'm still thinking how the hell they haven't given that as a yeah. and, and then the Brighton Palace and the Brighton Palace like, one they, just, they, they did it wrong mm-hmm. like it was like at least well there's no excuses there's one game yeah, one game is blatant handball in the box uh, and then they're like, okay, and they just don't check the person, and then and then they just use the lines wrong. You know, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I'm I'm in agreement with you. I think uh, on the most part of this season, it, it's it's been like leaps and bounds. Yes, yeah. then the, the season, it's like every year it's improved. But this weekend it just had absolute calamity, and obviously there's been a few. There's all, I mean, it's it's it's, it's football. Like yeah. we have opinions about stuff, but like um, the Manchester derby a few weeks ago when they didn't give Rashford offside mm-hmm. um, even though yeah, yeah. Play, like play like that, that was atrocious yeah that and, like, is they, terrible and, and the co- they get like like Peter Walton on it and he's like oh no, <laughs> he's not interfering and even though Edison's like rushing out and playing with it yeah so stuff like that you just think like maybe like, should should a ref uh, that does a game on a Saturday should they be on another day in the booth or should they be hiring and Trading up all these different people mm. to maybe be that that fourth official. Fourth yeah, fifth official. well, as in like a separate, a separate, a whole other kind of yeah. job role. So you're because not you're, you're not refing you're, a match and being VAR official. They're yeah, two separate things. Refing matches all the time. Then obviously you've got to be fit. You've got to like go to all the training that kind of stuff. You've got to know a lot. And obviously that's why it's good for them to be the VAR officials because they know the same thing. And maybe it's not something to happen straight away, but maybe they could transition until you have people that, like people at linesmen. They don't go and become. They're not refs on another game. Yeah. Like they, they're just trained. Once you get past a certain level, you just train as, mm-hmm. as a lino. So I think there should be people that are just VAR officials because some of these Premier League refs, they they like to be a centre for attention. Mm-hmm. So they probably still think, think with the same kind of mentality when they're doing these, these yeah. decisions. And they'd be, if like, um, who's the guy that did, that did the Arsenal one? Um, Peter Bank. Oh no, Lee Mason. Lee, Lee Mason, Mason was on yeah. VAR. Like, like he might just not be very good at it, mm-hmm. but like he has to do it as part yeah, of his job. Exactly. And he's just got a bit flustered, like not maybe not great <laughs> with tech, and, he, and he's just like kind of spent too long. Whereas they, if they have a team of like five people that have been training for three and or four a, years, yeah, a specifically trained to deal with VAR controversy, that instead of just being a ref and like so as a part of being a ref, you are a, you're a ref, you're a fourth official, you're a linesman, and you're a video assistant referee. Just have video assessment referee as his own thing and employ people and make yeah. them take tests and make them study the laws of the game like a referee yeah, would, but spend, just yeah, five days a week doing yeah. that, um, like training and yeah, I'm sure they can do lots of training like how to keep calm in those situations yeah. and, and then you could have if that situation happened like with the Arsenal game just gone, then you can have someone looking out for Pinnock and then someone got someone watching the whole thing through going wait a second, Norgard's offside there as well, let's have a look at that. Mm-hmm. It's just it shouldn't be that difficult. Like it's the biggest league. I mean, it's not just limited to us, but it's like. The, it's like the biggest sport, biggest league in the world. Yeah. Like, it shouldn't be that hard. Yeah, exactly. I think as well, like referees are going to make mistakes regardless. So like I'm all for VAR being integrated if it's used smoothly and it makes the right decisions nine times out of 10, which to be fair, this season, I think it has done. Like this weekend was the only weekend where it's like, okay, there's been three games and in all three games, there's been a 
big VAR blunder. Yeah, but yeah. if you're going to bring VAR in and you're going to have these people operating VAR, there's always going to be human error. Mm-hmm. Always, people are always going to make mistakes. It's never going to be 100% perfect. But I think with the way, with what we're saying about maybe separating the referee from the video assistant referee when they're two separate jobs. I think so. I think that might... Like, also, a, I, I know some leagues have done it already and had it in the World Cup as the semi-automated offsides. Mm-hmm. Like... Sorry, what can go wrong there? Yeah. It, it, it just basically automatically flags up if it's offside and then someone can review it. Mm-hmm. Surely you do that. Because then that, for Norgard, that would have come up. Yeah. Because it would have just it would have just checked every single header yeah. in that build up to the goal and be like, wait, wait, that one's offside and mm-hmm. they would have seen it. So I don't see why they don't implement that as soon as possible. Probably next, hopefully next season. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely here to stay. I don't think there's any question of if, whether yeah. it's going to go. Yeah. But... Um, like it's because, like I said, like it's, this season, it's been nine times out of ten they got the right call. It's just, it's just now that every every time like a VAR incident happens, everyone's like up in arms, like, oh my god, why did why is VAR ruining football? But it's yeah, like I it get, has been pretty good up until now. I tend not to like get too angry about it now because it's just like it's still part and parcel of the game. You probably on the balance of it, you probably still have a lot less refereeing issues. Yeah, compared to when there wasn't VAR. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's taken it takes a bit of fun out of the game in terms of, like celebrating and that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, the, the, the one that sticks out to me wasn't even any of the ones this week. And obviously they were bad, but it was when I was watching that United City game. Yeah. And they, and, and like I was just watching it. I was like, he, like he's like Brett was so far. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And then he just leaves the ball. Yeah. But it's like every like any person that's played like Sunday League. You can see that he's affecting that, the game. Like, yeah. like a Sunday League liner is given that outside, and mm-hmm. they somehow justified that he's not interfering with play. It, it was just obscene. Yeah. Um. Away from the VAR talk, someone on the GPG asked, I don't know if it was Randell or if it was RF Pato, but they've asked, is Mads Roselev the most improved player this season? Obviously, topical, yeah, yeah. Topical new contract today to 2026. How good was he against Arsenal? He was so good. Yeah. Unbelievable. (laughs) Uh, I feel like I talk about him every week. Um, And basically, since I spoke about him after the Forest game, maybe he listened to it and he just fucked his ideas up. I think he's played so well, played well at City. Like, he's nothing special. Yeah, but like I mean, Hickey started against. I, I was so times. I was so surprised when Hickey when Hickey wasn't in the lineup. Um, yeah, I thought he looked a bit shaky uh, last weekend, but he was he. Yeah, I would start Rostov on Saturday. I don't yeah. see why not. Well, I I don't know. I feel like he's probably preferred for his one v one defending, especially when he's in a five. Yeah. Um, whereas I think against Palace, we'll probably go back to a four and have Hickey there. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. But no, he has been he has been exceptional this season. Uh, I remember TF saying something like he's not one of those players that you're going to watch and like stand up and be like, wow, that is a that's an amazing player. Yeah. But he has when he's played this season, he's stepped up to the plate. And fair enough to him because you know us football fans we're fickle and sometimes we're quick to quick to deem a player as exactly. as no good. But uh, that's that's uh, the performance against City, the performance against Arsenal. I think those two just unbelievable. Yeah, and a lot in between as well. Yeah, like, exactly. He's not really had any bad games since that Forest game. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe he did listen to the pod. Yeah. <laughs> if you're watching. Congrats Keep it up. Contracts. <laughs> uh, speaking of City against Arsenal, uh, someone asked which result was better. Oh, that's a fucking... Well, he said, he. Uh, I'm pretty sure on Twitter, I think it was RF Pato said that he thought the Arsenal game was better because, um, to be fair, I've got the question up. There's so no I'll try way. And find it. No, no. He said Arsenal was better because the way they dominated possession and they kept us kind of pinned in. Um, and it and it was more. I think he said something like along the lines of it was a more complete performance. Maybe, yeah, he might be right in saying that, but um, respectfully, there's there's no way we <laughs> went to City, the league holders, and played them off. The, well, 
But they held the ball the game as well. Yeah, no, they did. They um, did. I don't know. I don't, I don't really understand that. I think we didn't win for one. <laughs> and we didn't score. And then we scored a 90. So, so RAF Pato said on the GPG, he said, personally, I'm putting Arsenal, the Arsenal was above it, mainly because of just how much possession Arsenal had around the 18-yard box. City, for me, felt a bit more open, whereas Arsenal was pretty relentless in terms of defending the box. I can see what I can see what he's saying yeah, because I can see your point. I can see your point, but I disagree. <laughs> he said and results and performance. Okay, maybe it's a better performance against City, but uh, against Arsenal, arguably, I'm not still not convinced. But at the result, I mean, one game we drew, one game we won. Yeah. So I, uh, I mean, I'm not having that. I don't. Yeah, I, don't th- I think the City away game is probably like the best, the best result. Well, Frank called it the best result in the club's history. Well, so we were saying once we left, like because we were just so ecstatic after that City game. It was like, in what situation, like in the foreseeable future, would you feel more ecstatic? Like, yeah. basically, if you qualified for like Europe or something, that, mm-hmm. that would like, you just beat the best team, team. in the world. Well, well, not at the at moment. At the time, they were before, they've, they've gone downhill a bit, yeah. but we're not taking away from them. That's the thing with, with the City. It's like all the pundits always say, City, make no mistake, City the best team in the world. They're just not doing, but it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter what anyone's, it doesn't matter like how the results are going. They always say, oh, City have got the best squad in the world. I agree they've got the best squad in the world. Like, it's with the amount not, of, It's definitely not what it was, though. Like, this yeah. season, especially like defensive-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would, I would tend to say that, well, I think City is a better result. Maybe, maybe, maybe performance-wise, it was a more complete performance because we defended better. Yeah, it's an interesting question. But I, yeah, I no. wouldn't expect. I was expected that, but thank you for the question. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's it for the GPG question. Someone actually just put in uh, earlier today. Should the starting eleven all stand with Ivan Pryor to kick off on Saturday? I think that would be a good idea. Um, yeah, but then yeah, I mean it's a good idea, but it's not going to do anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. But that's that's a whole other debate, but. <laughs> But yeah, someone also did ask uh, the worst decision to go against Brentford. I don't know if he meant this season or in history, uh, to which Lingfield B replied, the Nathan Elder and the Elbert. Do you remember that? That was going back a long time for us. It does ring. It rings a bell. Got sent off for an elbow. Um, and he, it was basically just, I think it was just a clash of heads. This is going This is going way back I've, to... I've, I've come a bit more recent. Um, lockdown playoffs final. Rico, Rico Henry. Henry got sent off. <laughs> Yeah. The ball. Do you know who the ref was that day? Was Keith Stroud. Was Keith Stroud. Oh, no, but I hate that man so much. <laughs> I remember in the championship, like any time he got Keith Stroud, it was just like, fuck <laughs> and, and like a couple of my colleagues at work, like they support championship teams, and like they just think the exact same thing. Like, yeah. He's just like he's just a wanker. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He is. I I can't stand that man. Anyway, so before we preview Palace, let's do our new segment on away days. Um, just to remind listeners in this segment we will name a notable game in the last five to ten years and it will be your job Clayton and the listeners job to name the result that day as well as the scorers in the game I had prepared a game to talk about today but Clayton informed me before we started recording that he's got a game for me which you did say in the last podcast but I forgot so what is the game uh, okay so we'll give a bit of time for this it's, it's, this shouldn't be as hard as last week I don't think okay. so we're, we're in the we're in 2017 it was 16-17 season okay uh, we are way to Burton. <laughs> Burton, 5-2 was the score. No. Was it not 5-2? 5-3 was the it's score. 5-3, yeah. 5-3 was the score. Well, I didn't give anyone time <laughs> to answer. Right, no. Well, I'll see if I can get the scorers. Did you go Did you go to the game? I did, yes. yes. Burst down ball. Yeah, no, it was brilliant. Well, jumping down the terraces. It was unreal. Yeah, no, it was my favourite ever. It was, it was. It was a, it was a great day. Um the scorers, right. So, Lasavibe definitely scored once. Do you remember, like, 
I remember like, well, I mean, I'm looking at it, so it doesn't really help, but obviously it was a comeback, so that they, yeah. they went... They went, did they go 1-0 and then it was 1-1 and then it was 2-1? No, so we actually went 1-0 up. Oh, okay. We cannot score. Uh, so that's a scorer there. We yeah. We went 1-0 up and then they scored three. Um, so I think we're, th- we're 3-1 down at half time, I remember. Yeah. Being very disappointed because this is a person who seemed like literally yeah. in the relegation zone. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, then we mounted the comeback. So do you remember who scored in the comeback? I've given you one goal score. to score the four, the so four, four others. Goals. Did was Nico Unaris still playing for us uh, back then? Uh, he, no, no. Okay, no, he wasn't on the score sheet. But Lasavibe definitely got one or two. Did Sergio Canos get another one? Yes, yeah. Canos got two. Uh, Vibe got two. And right, he got one more. Ah, oh, no, who was it? He scored the last goal. Kind of the icing on. Was it a, was it a sub that came on, mm, or did he start? No, he definitely started. It was our best player. Oh, was it Sawyer's? No, it was Jota. Oh, what Jota? Yeah. Oh. In his, in his second spell. Oh yeah. Which he yeah, never really yeah. was our best player in his second spell, was he? But he. Um, I can't remember. I can't believe he still played for us. That the, seems quite like a recent team, game. The team for context. Kirschbaumer. Tom Field at left back. <laughs> That's a great team. Yeah. Um, let me yeah. just uh, let me get the lineup just so I can have a look at it. That was a, a fantastic away got day. Got Bentley in there. Just got just gone to Wolves. Dan Bentley. I saw that transfer. I was yeah, very was yeah. I know. Still, I remember him that season. The amount of clangers that he dropped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why Bristol dropped him anyway. Yeah. Um, this season, but yeah. Canos, um got a brace. Uh, thoughts with you, Sergi. Unfortunate yeah, no. I saw him. He scored a goal and paid tribute yeah. to his mum, which was really nice. That, um, that team is though, like Hammers was really. Uh, yeah, Hammer, I didn't didn't even realise that. Did Hammers. you see who scored for the other team? No, Krellis. Kre- oh, it's in the the <laughs> Greek the Greek striker <laughs> that we had. Oh Jesus, that's so funny. Um, Constantine Kirschbaumer was in that. Yeah, Kirschbaumer. He was really good that season as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Um, who, who else was playing? I can't get it Woods, on there. Woods was in centre mid. He, uh, one of my favourite players. So good. So good. Um, Sawyer's played, yeah. Who came off the bench? What's your take on Romain Sawyer's? We'll talk about that as, as a story about the game because he always kind of polarised opinions with Brentford fans. Yeah, I've, got, I've actually got an even better story about this game. Okay, go on. We'll do this one first. Um, <laughs> Sawyer's... He was like extremely good on the ball, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. And he like he was like he was clearly Dean Smith's player, and he was key to the way we played. But like the thing that frustrated me was that he, he often passed sideways a lot, mm-hmm. and like, didn't progress the ball too much, which he, he did at a lot of points. But like he wasn't physical or quick, so like he was quite a luxury player. And like the thing that used to like great on me so much was like he's not sh- like he wasn't a short player no I've never seen him wear jump head. like if yeah. you saw someone going out for a header he would just like he would just kind of go and get out of the way yeah um, yeah what, what, I mean what are your thoughts on I, that? I think I think he was unfairly made the scapegoat in a, in a in a team that was kind of up and down but I feel like there was so I think he, he spent a couple of seasons with us and in his first season he was a bit up and down and in his second season he was brilliant I remember there was a period where he was like right under the cosh in terms of criticism from fans and he scored that uh, that goal against QPR. You know the half volley that. Yeah, he, oh, banger. Yeah, I know. Um, but I know. I, I thought I thought he was fantastic. If on his day he could easily be the best player on the pitch, but the problem was with him is that he never really had his day that yeah, often. Yeah. Do you remember that really bad run of games under Smith where we didn't have a striker? And I remember I can't remember the game, but it was at home and we lost. <laughs> and we played. We, that narrows it, was, it down. We played um, <laughs> Sawyer's up front. 
Oh, it was that it was that period where it became a meme that Dean Smith would sub our left. He would like change out. Oh our yeah, left yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, dark, not dark times, but we, it wasn't great. It, it did get a little bit toxic towards the end of, to, well, uh, not towards the end, but sort of at points in in Dean Smith's reign. I remember sort of, I remember thinking we were never ever going to go on a cup run with Dean Smith because he used to always just make wholesale changes all over the pitch, and you just yeah. knew what was going. It was like, it was that Warsaw game. Yeah, it just like changed the whole thing. Yeah, I remember. It just wasn't his priority, was it? Yeah. Well, go on, what's your what's your funny story from Burton and Burton away then? Um, it's a bit of a flex. <laughs> uh, I'm very fortunate. So basically, my good friend Josh, his stepdad Paul, shout out if you're watching Paul. Um, his colleague from work was a uh, part of an England Supporters Association. And obviously, the manager at the time was Nigel Clough. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, with his dad and stuff, he was very much still involved. Um, so Paul's colleague came up with us to the game. Um, I think we went to like a bit of hospitality. There's not much at Burton, but before, it was mm-hmm. nice. Um, obviously, watched the game. It was was great. And then after the game, um, we had to go like give a present uh, to Nigel. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got to go after the game. We went, uh, myself... Uh, my friend Josh and the two others, we went into the um, manager's office mm-hmm. and there was Nigel, his assistant, uh, and then Dean Smith. I got a photo of Dean oh, and, nice. and his assistant as well. Um, <laughs> but to be fair, there is a funny bit to this because, so, I mean, I was like a bit, not starstruck, but like I, I wasn't, they were already just chatting, like they were just having, like, they yeah. were having a good beer. Yeah. Um, that was the season that Burst Night had that miracle stay up, like, mm-hmm. they were, like in the relegation list, but, this was in like March, I think, and he was and and Nigel Cobb was kind of just saying, oh, "I think that's us done." Like he was like, "I think we're relegated now." Oh really? He was like, "Cause cause obviously there were three one up." Yeah. He was like, well, I don't. Yeah, I just don't see us coming back from this." Mm. Um, and we were kind of saying, "Oh no, like you know, you could be all right." Like yeah, which is quite a weird conversation <laughs> to be having with another team's manager. Yeah. Um, and then we were kind of like in this side room because it was not that big. Uh, and he had kind of his whole squad uh, like on the whiteboard like written up and yeah. I was kind of just looking at it while they were talking and he goes oh, yeah is that right son you're looking at my shite players <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just like went red I was like I'm not going to say yes I'm not going to say no <laughs> and, then, and then yeah it ended up like uh, needed a wee went for a wee in the, in the Bradford change rooms after they'd gone oh nice got on the pitch yeah it was a great great story really oh cool. that is a nice story um Good, good win and a nice story afterwards. First down ball, yeah. Even, yeah. even just the game alone was amazing. But yeah, one of my best experiences going to a Bradford game, definitely away game mm. as well. No, it was, it was a great day. I remember that. Uh, I remember, so Dave, the guy that I go, well, one of my uncle's friends, I remember we got launched forward after we'd maybe turned it around to make it 4 3. Yeah. And he got really pissed off at some fans behind <laughs> us, like so angry. Because he's got, he's got a dodgy knee. So he like turned around and he was like, oh, no. <laughs> Um, no scenes, scenes on the on the terrace. So next week I've got one lined up for you, which okay. um, I'll keep. I'll keep whatever it was. Keep it under wraps. Yeah, I'll keep whatever it was. But it was from just to let you know. Maybe you can uh, do a little bit of research for it. Was in 2013-14 season. So, so that was the year before, <laughs> the year before last week's, okay. when we were in League, League one. one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, it's a good one. I was. Uh, I hope you were there because it, it was a really good away day. Um, right. So in the final section, we'll talk a little bit about Palace. Uh, fixture. Someone asked about Palace on the GPG as well, so I just thought we'd uh, put it together. The fixture has produced two goals in the last three matches. Obviously, we drew with them nil nil um, a couple of times last season, and yeah. this season it was one one with Wissa the header in in the last like ten minutes or yeah, so. Yeah, and, and then Ben Mee almost scored right. There. Yeah, but did he hit the bar? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was good. That was a good game. To be fair, that was a good away day as well. 
Uh, how do you see this game going on Saturday? Win. Yeah. Win. I think I'm quite, yeah, I know. I think these games where this is the difference now. We were talking about it on the last pod. This is the difference. We go into these games at home. Whereas, like Southampton, maybe last year, I was thinking, wow, we might slip up here. They're better than Bournemouth and they're better than Southampton, but they're really struggling for form. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they've got a few injuries, but they definitely have possessed more quality. Yeah. I think we'll have to. We'll probably still play four at the back. I think you're right. Um, but no, I'm really looking forward to it because I think we're just playing so well at the moment. Yeah, I just don't. I don't see like a repeat of of the last of the last of the last few times we played them. It kind of seemed like the two managers kind of figured each other out in just like a in a weird kind of way where there's just no goals and it's a really crap game of football. Yeah, the two away games weren't great. The, the Weezer goal was good in the summer, but yeah. Um, no, I'm, I think we can. I think we can win it. Three points. Mm -hmm. Strong. Okay. I think so too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that will do for today's podcast then. We will be back next week to... Oh, we don't have a fixture next week, do we? No. Because it's, it's it was supposed to be playing. supposed to be United. Yeah, I'll try to get a guest on or something. Yeah, maybe. hopefully we can get... Yeah, that's a good idea. We'll get a guest on, um, pull some strings. Maybe I'll get in touch with Natalie again, see if she can sort us out potentially with a, oh, with yeah. a guest. No, actually, I've got someone. I'll, I'll chat to you after. This. Okay, nice. Perfect. Uh, the game after that is... Ever uh, the next one is Everton. Am I correct in saying that? Because I think there's like a break. A there might be, yeah, there might be. So we, the the fixture against United was cancelled, is postponed, obviously. And then I think there was a week break maybe for FA Cup. If I'm, if if that's right. And then I think it's Everton away. You, no, no, no. We've, we've, we, no, there's not, there's not a week. There's a weekend break. And then, yeah. You're missing a very, very big game here on, the Monday, on the Monday night. Oh, <laughs> God. Yeah. Oh, that's why I didn't see it. That's why yeah, I didn't see it because it's been moved. Okay. Right. Monday night. Good one. No, that, that, I'm really looking forward to that. I know there's been a lot of noise about the atmosphere being a bit dead because it's on a Monday night, but I doubt it would be like no, that. No, it would be buzzing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to end the podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Elon Road podcast will be back next week with a special guest, hopefully, if Clayton, um, if Clayton can line one oh, up. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening and we'll see you soon. Podcast Network.